When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Doug Too Deep, the officially unofficial podcast for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode three, Adar. Aaron, uh, how'd you feel about the second week? Uh, big Papa. Uh, Adar means uh, father, as far as I as, as, as best I can tell mm. in Elvish. Uh, okay. I thought this was a little bit of a creakier episode, especially um, the parts in Numenor. Like, I felt like it was just reaching a little too hard. Like, maybe I started to feel the eight episode compression that like they just quite. Now, I I got a lot of pleasure out of that because like I'm a whole fucking Ellen Dilda tall here. Oh, and there's Yuseldor. Oh, Winter of Venarians far behind. Um, because I'm really interested in the lore and, uh, you know, the, the, the appendixes of Lord of the Rings. But if you're not that person who just gets a thrill of pleasure of like, oh, these are going to be some big players made, uh, later on. Um, I don't know what you made out of a lot of the Numenorean stuff because it made both factions just seem like assholes. Galadriel was a very unpleasant person this episode and quick to take offense and impetuous. And the men of Numenor were just like world class stink eyes, you know, like they're <laughs> mad that peerless mad dogging going on the entire episode. I really like the Harfoot stuff. Uh, and I'm kind of like yeah. somewhere in between on the, the Aaron deal stuff. But last still beautiful. But like this, I felt like the they were like, oh, we haven't done a, a scene of soaring beauty uh, for five. So let's like in, inject Galadriel losing her shit on this white horse. Yeah, that felt for, so weird. So Very in- weird. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not not into it, but it did feel indulgent in the way that some of the other lavish scenes did in the first two episodes. Uh, this is, again, it's not a bad episode. It's just a come down from what I was would describe as an almost sheer delight of the first two with a little bit of like, ah, I wonder where and how they're going with this. What did you think? I'm very curious because you're you don't have that foundation I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll raise my hand as the guy who is not looking at Ellen deal and thinking, Oh, he's going to be a big player later. Uh, he's just some dude to me who has a boat and I don't like know even really his affiliations, not even, not even by the end of this episode necessarily. But, and I think that's the, the core of it to me is I think there are structural problems in this episode, like storytelling problems. Mm -hmm. Cause I honestly don't know why I care about any of his kids, why that they're going to school at all. And that they, yeah, they haven't given any reason to, they haven't. I I, th- I think what this episode is really missing is connecting Ellen deal and Galadriel. If, if they had give me an emotional reason to care about them, then I could have transferred that to the kids. And, but as it stands, they didn't have like a scene on the boat where they're, they're talking and connecting and understanding each other. He's just a dude. Uh, 
and so you know none of this stuff hits me the way i hoped it would uh emotionally so yeah i I think there are some big problems with this episode but i did really enjoy i mean seeing numenor like that's that that was pretty amazing that's like minas tirith times a thousand right like the the majesty of minas tirith (laughs) yeah compared to numenor is nothing um, and then and also really Minas like Tirith always felt stuff. like it was borderline in ruins, you know, like this is a, a, sure. an empire in decline. They couldn't build this white city anymore where like all their shit worked. Their sails are unfurling and their mm-hmm. water, like all the plumbing stills working and they're at the height of their power and they're not wearing like their their peasantry are wearing fine clothes. Like these are just this is this manifestly a, a, a prospering society at the height of its power. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, now it's, I think, they kind of seem like they're assholes, but. I guess we'll we'll. And I, I think that's like go. even if they haven't given us a reason to emotionally connect to the characters, there's enough of a uh, intellectual mystery. Like these people manifestly were friends of the elves. They mm-hmm. were founded by Elros, who is the brother of Elrond. Of Elrond. Yeah. Uh, and yet now there is this uh, elf phobia that's sweeping the realm, and they're distrustful and and even kind of hating elves and to the extent that they've exiled a king over it. And there's like, like, oh God, why did this happen? And I feel like the thing that's frustrating is I feel like Galadriel should know, but she's like, what? heavens to Betsy, why did this ever happen? I guess we'll find out this episode. Like, Jesus Christ, you've been around for thousands of years, lady. You've seen Numero, Nor, right. Norfolk rise, and you've like, see, like, why don't you know more about what's going on with your close kin? And you're, yeah, your best friends with the brother of the guy who made the place like yeah, I, like Halbrand, he, mm-hmm. some disgraced former royalty from former. the Southlands that were mm-hmm. in opposition and were kind of like, it makes sense for him not to know the inner politics of Numenor, but I thought it was a little much sure. for Gladrail, who is a third in command of all elf kind. It seems like from her titles that she doesn't like, it's a mystery to her about why Numenor has got a bug up their ass. Yeah, and I have other problems with those scenes, but we'll talk about them when we get there. I, I just think yeah. like this is a much clunkier episode. It didn't feel like I like I had all the information that the the people who wrote this episode clearly had in their heads, and mm-hmm. and they leaned a little bit too heavily, I think, on prior knowledge, uh, which mm. I don't have. Yeah, because it's exciting. If you know the big names of the Numenorean cycle, like there's a lot to get excited for. But sure, like if you don't know that, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, people with funny names and why without. And it's like, yeah, it's like it's not I'm trying to think because like, like I feel like the Harfoots had similar amount of screen time. But for whatever reason, I just like instantly cared for those people. And like mm-hmm. Galadriel, as in, you know, in, with Elrond, I was inherently interested in them and their relationships because I had a pre-existing relationship with them. And Aaron Deer was kind of rough, but like, you know, so he's got a romance and a, there's a mystery there. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff that worked, it just didn't seem like it worked in Numenor nor the slave camps of the orcs, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm more okay with them setting up characters in the early going. Uh, and granted, this is still the early going. Still the early going, sure. It, it, sure, especially for a story this big. But, you know, in, in the first episode or two in the premiere everything's going to be new, right? So I'm I'm yeah. inclined to give them a pass and just say, okay, well, this is a character in this situation. But now you've got Galadriel, who who is a lens into this story for me as a viewer. When she doesn't connect the dots between the viewer and the characters around her, I'm not necessarily as inclined to just jump on board with a new character. I need mm-hmm. to know how it connects to the people that I already care about. 
and they just yeah. don't they just don't connect those dots there in this episode. It's and it's weird. Like I said, I, I I'm I'm the thing that is bothers me, and maybe the lore hounds will have a reason that this all makes sense. But to me, it's like it, there's a great episode of Breaking Bad where we see Gus and his youth go to Don Eladio. Mm-hmm. And there's clearly history, and we don't know what it all is. And they throw out names like Pinochet, and there's like a lot of mystery. But like, you never get the idea that Gus doesn't know why these things are happening to him, right? Sure, Gus knows sure. exactly why there's this bad blood. No, it's a mystery to us. Mm-hmm. But it'd be weird if Gus came here and's like, "Oh, Don Eladio, it seems like he doesn't like us very much." Uh, my brother, my hermano. I guess we'll fi- when we go into his compound, we will find out what is going. Like the fuck. And Gladrail again. I don't know why she wouldn't know what is going on. What is the essential beef of the Numenorians versus the the Eldar? Um, and her mm-hmm. like, if she played it like. It's a long and painful story, and I don't have time to explain it to you right now. You see, Savage, like that would be fine, but sure. it played as a mystery to her, and I, I don't know. Yeah, um, it, but she clearly has enough animosity there to just tell them to go, to go jump off a cliff as Foolishly. soon as she gets in a room with them. Yeah, and it's stupid. It's like this is just a bad idea. You want to get back home, right? Maybe don't piss the people off who have the boats. Yeah, it's like you have no power here, Elf Witch. Like literally, I don't think she has. Like uh, she is, re- she is going to require help to get off of this island alive, and she mm-hmm. carries herself like she doesn't give a shit. Like I am better than you, and I know it. And you mm-hmm. guys hate me, and I don't even know why. I don't even care to know why. But give me a ship. Give me a ship, you sons yeah. of bitches. And then it's like the episode itself is like, oh, fuck, what do we do? Okay, uh, Halbrand will step forward and be like, uh, give us three days on this island while we figure everything out. And I'm like, yeah, I feel no, like the, ep- I feel like the showrunners and we're going to put you in prison. We figured it <laughs> out. Like, Don't worry. I feel Halbrand. like that was the showrunners parenthetically saying to the audience, like, we need an episode to figure out how to get from where we want to go to where we're going. <laughs> like, yeah. But, I, you know, uh, yeah. It remains a jaw-droppingly beautiful show. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. And there is a lot. That's only going to get you so far, but uh, yeah, yeah there, yeah. there are some cracks in this. I episode. hope they can they can really they they can they can really get us caring about Ellen Deal and his family. Uh, mm-hmm. That'll be important, I think. And yeah. uh, Gladriel, I mean, the more like, they connect him with Gladriel, the better it'll be, I think. But. Yeah, and to the extent that the show in Gladio is a little bit like angry and impetuous, like that's fine. But like this took it to a level that I was surprised by. Yeah, I mean, at least they seem to have a mission now, so they'll get to spend some time together, maybe connect a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot more rings of power to ponder. We'll be back right after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And now, let's dig a little deeper on Dug Too Deep. How about we spend some time doing a recap? What do you think about that? I think that sounds like a splendid idea. 
All right, we start off with Eredir being taken to an orc camp. He, it's a it's a work camp. They're they're digging the tunnels for the orcs uh, in the name of Adar, which is the title of this episode. Uh, all his friends have also been captured. So, yeah, I don't that was surprising. know how that happened. They and there's no discussion be- like, hey, you know, we we're we were walking back to our homelands uh, after giving up the watchtower and we just got we just got fucking uh, hijacked, man. Or we um, were looking for you and we found this tunnel and we went in to see if you were there and got captured. There's nothing. It's just like, OK, this band of what I assume are highly trained, skilled that have Fighters. served with each other for decades right. don't have need to catch captured. up or like it's like yeah they're just like ah we're here in a slave camp i guess we'll figure out how to get out I, I it it did feel stilted yeah yeah a little clunky like a lot of things in this episode and it's just uh, i did i did like some of the world building like the idea that the orc who are famously you know they're like vampires sunlight is literally painful to them that was the big thing about you'll recall the uh uh the the urukai which is the orcs perfected where Saruman did some magic and some gene mixing and made orcs that were larger, stronger and could endure sunlight on an indefinite basis. That explains it. I was like, I don't remember them being sensitive to light from Lord of the Rings, but yeah, Yeah. he modified. Yeah. That that was like the big thing about, ah, you're the orcs perfect. You know, you were a ruined and, but now you've been perfected and, and, uh, pump, you know, gassing them up that way. So I I like this, the fact that like, you know, they've got this elaborate mechanism. They're using humans and elves to dig their tunnels because they can't go out in the sun, but they're, you know, it's like this trench with solar shades over it. And, Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're dressing up like old lady Australians going out to the beach. There's there's what is it? Slap slather slather. I forget. Slap slop slather. Uh, hmm. what, what, slip slap slather. I forget. It's like you got to put on and slap on a giant hat, slather on sunscreen and slip on a sun cover. They're all going around mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, and yeah, you know, like they, Julia they def- Roberts trying not to be recognized by the press. Yeah, or like she's in like some uh, late game Ocean's Eleven business. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, they they sell the reality. Of this is an open air misery pit, essentially. Yep. All right, then we go to Gladriel waking on the boat, and she meets the boat's captain, whose name I don't think we get yet. Uh, nope. But this is Alan Deal, uh, mm-hmm. and he says her questions will be answered when they arrive home, which turns out to be. The land of the star, the westernmost of all mortal realms, the island kingdom of Numenor. Wow. Got the full <laughs> roll on there and everything. <laughs> I had to. It's so obvious. Like she's doing it every time she says Numenor. It mm-hmm. kills me every time it happens. But yeah, it's I, fun. I, I thought this crew mad dogging them both like relentlessly i really wanted uh a bosun or to come up and be like all right you lovers get back to fucking work you can lollygag and have your eyes rolling around in your skull sockets mm-hmm. after you swab the deck and all because it's like yeah like the whole ship is just like takes time to just yeah stink eye <laughs> poor gladriel and and, and uh halbrand here yeah especially um, with the training scene that we see later it's like everybody's got a job to do all the time, and if you take your eye off the on ball, a bo- it could yeah. kill somebody. <laughs> so yeah, like- on a boat coming into uh, on a ship coming into port for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And they they drop some 
you know, science on us. Uh, they, they get you get some world class ooh and an on on the architecture and the you know, and, and we've seen that stuff oh, in Lord dude. of the Rings, but like fall into ruin. And now you've got the super sculptures and uh, everything's just looking pristine and golden and polished and gleaming. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate how every every new city they go to just feels entirely new and entirely amazing i'm yeah. super impressed with the visuals of this show Constantly. it's definitely connected like you can see like oh this is where gondor is going to come from this was like these mm, people at yeah. their height and uh the the design is really really nice and she breaks it down to like you know halbrand your kind as we know supported morgoth in the war against the elves and these guys didn't and they're better than you and this is why they live in this gleaming star-shaped island in the middle of the ocean and you guys are getting brutalized by orcs uh yeah 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 uh, they they take the tour of the city like like you said here and that's where she tells him all about numenor's history uh the elves used to be friends with the numenorians which uh is what i assume the people of numenor are called <laughs> mm-hmm. okay all right cool um but over time they stop being friendly and galadriel has no idea why this this was a tough scene for me. Uh, this episode took me two and a half hours last night to watch and get <laughs> an outline for because a it's very dense with new names and new yes. information and yes. new faces, and I had to figure out who all these people were. I made the mistake though, and this is maybe why I'm not a big fantasy fan in general. I made the mistake of going to the wiki to try and figure out who the Valar were because their name dropped in this scene. Uh, as yeah. being the ones who gave uh, Numenor to the mm-hmm. the Numenorians. Here, here's what the Valar, the first two paragraphs of the Valar wiki article say. And and tell me if I'm just being dense here. The Valar were the powers of Arda, not to be confused with Adar. Apparently, it's Arda, uh, who shaped and ruled the world. They lived on the western continent of Amman. The Valar were the 14 Anur who, after being molded of Eru's thought, entered Arda after its creation to give order to the world and combat the new evils of Melon? Melkor? That's, that's, that, Melkor, yes. That, okay. That's gibberish to me. That's just absolute gibberish. What, where am I? What am I supposed to do with that? How do I get a foothold into when literally everything is made up? Where do I even start? You start clicking on them blue links and turn them in purple. Uh, I mean, the thing is, is like the the Lorans gives a great introduction to all this, but it's also it's like, you know, it is it's it's something where, you you know, you can study this shit at a at a at a college level. Um, And also you can just ask your friend Aaron here. And if I can't answer it, then we'll get the Lorans to do it. Uh, Did you do do, do you know? Do you not know who the Valar are? Because the Valar are essentially the demigods of um uh, of the pantheon here in middle earth they are okay. they're all kind of jointly like the jesus christ figure uh where like the the way i understand the bible mythology is god god created the sun and through the sun he created all other things so essentially god created the sun yeah um and so era uh iru aluvatar the god of the middle earth created these divine beings and said, hey, we're all going to I've written a, a musical composition and we're all going to sing it in harmony. And that joint is going to be an act of creation that essentially weaves the world into existence. Um, 
so yeah they're the they're the okay. demigods that uh did not create the elves and they did not create men but they were the ones designed that they were supposed to like shepherd them and teach them about the world and kind of bring them into the uh the children of Iluvatar situation gotcha yeah, this Do is you? like 10 times. <laughs> no, this is 10 times more complicated than Christianity. And I don't even get that. So, right, right. Yeah. No, it will take me literally the entire run of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power to figure this out. Uh, but that's fine. So the, the thing is, so the thing to understand about the men are mortal. Elves mm-hmm. are immortal. That's the key difference between them. And the men are not allowed to go to the land of the Valar, the undying lands. That's only for elves that are too worn out from Middle Earth oh, to I get to go that. to. And and Numenor is the westernmost isle. If you sail any more west, you're going to reach the undying lands and they're not allowed to go there. So gotcha. as a reward, they got they got so off the hellhole that is Middle Earth and yeah. they got as close as you can get to the gods without actually rubbing elbows with them. All right. Because they're still riffraff, they can't enter the bar, but they can. Stand That's outside. the thing. They can't it's like enter it's a concert, great they honor. Can stand outside and listen. It's a great honor, but it's also a constant reminder that you're not good enough for the Western lands, right? Mm, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I knew there was something going on with uh, Halbrand when he's looking at the blacksmith, and he looks pretty long and hard at him. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, you know, through the courses, I was trying to figure out, okay, what's he going to do with the blacksmith? Why is he eyeing him? And then we find out later. Uh, so Galadriel and Hobrand are taken to the Queen Regent, whose name I don't know. She, Muriel. She's only ever Muriel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galadriel asked to be given a ride home, but she's pretty confrontational in her approach. Uh, so Hobrand takes over and manages to talk them into letting them stay for a few days. And afterward, Halbrand steals Galadriel's dagger back from the captain and gives it to her. Yep. Like I said, this is a weird scene because, you know, Galadriel knows she needs to get off this island. She knows that things are, the buzz is harsh between the elves and men here. And she comes right out the bat. I am the most glorious elf lord who ever lorded an elf. And I demand from my inferiors a goddamn ship. And oh, and, and you know, everything you've got was given to you by my people, by the way. And oh, you played a blood price. I'm ready to pay for blood right now for this ship. I don't have a sword. I don't got a ring of power. I got. I'm standing before you, essentially mother naked, and I'm making all. It just made her seem delusional. And yeah. I get that she's again younger, impetuous, and full of rage. But oh my God, she's got so much ironing out before she becomes the elder elf, the elder Eldar statesman, stateswoman that she eventually becomes. And it's just, it was, it to me, like a little much. But I think they're trying to really fast tell the, the enmity. Like, it's like, I don't know, she didn't act like a person who was sad about the relationship falling apart. She sounds like a person that's mm-hmm. angry about the way they, re- um, yeah, to the point where I thought the show was maybe trying to tell me, oh, this is why they stopped letting elves into Numenor. Because <laughs> elves are just dicks. Because they yeah. suck. Yeah. These are the, the few, yeah, like they're like, they're kind of just lorded over you. Like they take you for granted and to make crazy demands and not even with a buy or leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I like that's my assumption going forward, but I'm sure. And the they might, they might be eventually. telling that because uh, like it seems like all the elves other than Aaron Deer kind of hate all the men, even the righteous ones yeah. on Numenor. So I that that might be they're trying to just really emphasize that that, uh, you know, 
family struggle between the children of Iluvatar here. Sure. Uh, I was a little surprised that a soldier couldn't feel a dagger being lifted off of yeah. him, but I don't know. Maybe elven weapons are light. Very or light. maybe he's cool with it because the other thing is like, even if he wasn't aware it's being boosted at some point, he would be like, Oh shit, where did this crazy elf dagger was on my belt go? And probably Must knew he to like, the bar. so I, I think I, I had that question too, but on second watch, I was thinking, you know what? I bet he knew and approved of the dagger being hmm. taken. Okay. We'll see though. I might I, be wrong. I, I was super confused by some of the stuff that's happening at the end of this scene between the queen and whoever the hell this other guy is who doesn't have a name either. Uh, this guy is Al Farazone. Al Farazone. Okay. It could be Ariel pronounced differently, but uh, again, this 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 guy figure is going to be a guy to watch in the weeks and uh, and seasons to come. Yeah, maybe glorious who, beard and hair. By the way, oh yeah, he looks fantastic. Uh, I would love to have that hair, but I, I maybe this is a symptom of being somebody who is new to this world and doesn't mm. have the back knowledge but when he's talking about we dare not invite your father's cloud back overhead I, I felt like it was a little much because I don't know anything I don't even know her father I don't know who he is or what significance he would have other than like he's probably royalty but well you'll, you'll find that Ellen so will tell her that there's a king that was pro elf but he's uh-huh. been kind of imprisoned in his own in, castle in and, and I, I by the end of the you, episode it's apparent that she's gone to talk to him about this which but that's even weirder based on what I understood uh-huh. about the episode so yeah it's I think um, there's some subterfuge going on with the queen and all this stuff but there the, we'll but see. to what end I don't know yeah it's just um you know with all the other adjusting I'm having to do and then uh just all the all the other bulk app perception that needs to happen here. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway, th- here's where I start to have like actual problems with the episode. The queen briefly mentions Captain Ellendeal and his son, and then we watch somebody who, like through the language of cinema, I guess I sort of understood to be his son, but I didn't even know the captain's name or why I should care about him at this point. Yeah. Um, or sorry, the son's name or why I should care about the captain's kid at this point. So some kid on a boat somewhere in what I thought might've been a flashback to Ellen deals childhood, who knows, but it's not, it's his son is being trained on a ship and his sister after the training shows up and asks where their father is. It's a really awkward transition for me. Uh, I think, like you said, the language of cinema says that when the, you trail off with a, he's a captain at sea now with the sun trying to follow him and you smash cut to some young guy on a ship. But they smash cut to the captain, which I was like, OK, I, I was actually uh, you said there could be a sea captain at this point following after. But then he's just as a cadet. Yeah, I guess it was a little awkward. But this it's guy a little awkward. Isildur. You'll recall from the prologue of the Lord of the Rings is the guy. Ellen deal is the old man who struck the fatal blow against Sauron. And then Ellen deal is the guy with the shard of Narsil, the sword cut the fingers off of Sar- Sauron and uh, cut the is? one ring. No, no, no. Isildur, his son. Oh, wow. Okay. Ellen deal is the old man that did the Leroy Jenkins rush and got beat down and his, and his gotcha. sword shattered. And then Isildur is the guy who cuts the, fi- the rings, the, the, fi- the ring off his finger. So okay. damn. That is 
I guess a spoiler depending on <laughs> where they I've go. But the like also it's I'm just telling you, these are the guys that you see in the prologue of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I wouldn't have connected those dots without you telling me because I yeah. don't remember any of the names from Lord of the Rings other than the big ones. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do wish that we had a scene or two of Ellen Deal and Galadriel on a boat talking figuring stuff out connecting me with him yeah because when it cuts over to this i'm just like this is unrelated i don't care at all why why would i yeah i feel like that would be better but i also feel like they're definitely setting eel sword up for the the essentially hero's journey that he's luke skywalker Uh he's wanting to go to tashi station but his dad's like no you got to keep your grind nose to grindstone and do this and you know before you can do the thing you really want to do um like I said, sure, uh, sure, it's sure. it's a much more immature, just starting out life Isildur than I was I was expecting, which isn't a problem. It just okay. was a surprise. Yeah, I do wonder how she got so out of control uh, on this ship because it's a clear day. It's super clear, and there are like no real waves. I guess maybe there can be a lot of wind without big waves, but <laughs> seems fine um, out there. And suddenly people are swinging from the sails right yeah i guess with big sails and then the wrong mistake i guess you can get i think that's what it is is like the say this wind the sail is full of wind and he just untied a corner so that he was going to go flying you know if that's if it's wind pushing a big boat it's going to have the energy to to send you overboard totally Um, i i I thought a lot of the sail work was dodgy it just looked like dudes are running around untying and tying various cords without any kind of real understanding of how this stuff would work but this is a really weird rigged ship. Like, I don't I don't think there's ever been a ship like this in history where it's like a full like it's got these junk full batten sails like you see on like uh, the sailing ships of the the east. Um, mm-hmm. But they're but they're but they're like square rigged like a European sailing ship and they furl like wings. It's beautiful. But like, I have no idea that deck work looked improvised it's it's just a glad it's essentially 12 glad rails on deck pulling pulling on ropes you know yeah they need a master of ships out there telling them how and, to and also this, this uh east sister uh Iarian, i think is a sh- i do not re- i do not remember them having a sister but then again tolkien didn't necessarily write a lot of strong compelling female characters um eowyn kind of with with stand notwithstanding i think she might be a a show creation Hmm. Um, okay. I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe they're trying to find, you know, like if, if they could give this all to his brother and Arian, um, but then it's like, well, you don't, you got too many dudes in the show. So I, I'm not sure. sure. Um, I'm curious to see what, what her role is because it seems like she's just kind of the dutiful doing everything right to the brothers well, who are stepping out. Maybe. I don't know. Cause there's some discrepancy about whether or not she was, actually going to apply for the builders guild uh toward right. the end of the or reapply she says, i think well no she says that uh isildur talked her back into it okay. so like i think it's interesting that you know isildur is going off on his mission and forsaking you know his sea trial or whatever it is uh but at the same time he's talking her into it i think that's showing some kind of he, he's gonna make up for going off and doing yeah. the thing his father doesn't want him to do by having his sister Getting his sister uh, to do the thing that he does. She's want her supposed to do. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. I'm curious to see where it goes because they also, like I said, they they make a reference. It feels like 
we missed an episode because they make a bunch of references to like the Western land or the, the Western shore of the Island has nothing for us now, boy, like Isildur thinks it, but like, we have no idea what any of that stuff means. Um, the show has given us nothing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and sometimes during this episode, I felt myself getting antsy and was like, man, I don't know what any of this means or what it's adding up to. And then by the end of the episode, I, came around on some of it thinking, okay, well, they were just, you know, setting up an intentional mystery that they were going to give us minor answers to by the end of it. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, so we're back with the queen regent. She asks about the meaning of Elendil's name. Apparently it means elf friend, which is kind of a problem in this place. And the queen questions him about his loyalties. And then she asked him to perform a service and gives him a sword. I'm like Jesus Christ! Is he uh, when I first like? Are they gonna? Is, is he gonna have to try to kill Galadriel? Because <laughs> the way it's kind of like uh, Godfather. Like uh, I, I want you to do this service for me. Um, I assumed she was gonna have him sort of sneak her out the back door onto a ship and take her back to Middle Earth. They show the but white tree. That's not it. The famous white tree of Numenor, which is going to be the sire of the white tree in Gondor that will reflower when uh, Aragorn takes over at the end of the third age. Um, hmm. And this itself is a lesser descendant of the mighty trees of the Valinor. I believe, I think I looked this up last week and there is like a unbroken chain of, you know, each fruit is a little like the, 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 you know, each, each generation is a little lesser, you know, it's like, Oh, they look just like hmm. it, but they don't, they don't they don't give off light like they used to and then yeah. uh, they don't give off light at all and like these aren't even as big and glorious but they're still so like that's this is again another thing that shows the kinship of the the humans and the elves at one time and gotcha. i liked ellen deal the detail here of like it literally means uh one who loves stars because we know that uh, if you listen to the lore hounds uh the elves are very much enamored with stars and starlight uh like the light that they got that vial. Remember Galadriel gives that to, to, to Frodo to light his way. The star, the, the light of their beloved star, uh, Aaron, Arendel, I think is what their name is or a, 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 um, or Lindell. Anyway, uh, I, I like that, but it also means, uh, elf friend, but that, that connection to the stars yeah. is, is there linguistically. Okay. Uh, yeah, which also doesn't really help not connecting him to elves. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, we go back to the Southlands where Aaron Deer and his friends try to figure out what the orcs are searching for. They think it might connect to Sauron. They plan to try to escape and return with reinforcements, and they get into a confrontation with the orcs over cutting down a tree. And the orc leader cuts Aaron Deer's friend's throat, whose name I also don't care to learn because he's dead. Uh, then Aaron Deer cuts down the tree. I think it's the guy that was giving him shade about dating a girl, a dating a human woman. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All these name. people are like, yeah, like it's the warden commander and the kind of elf blowing shit about people. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're, uh, you know, this is, I feel like leaning in on your knowledge of the fact that the orcs hate trees <laughs> and the elves lo- are essentially tree huggers. And you're supposed to understand that, uh, you know, this is a sacrifice Aaron Deer's making by cutting down this tree. Uh, yeah. Especially, I think this particular type of elf is the um, 
the forest elves, you know, that are more associated with oh, okay. uh, the the trees and whatnot. Like uh, these are the the the, the Slytherins. Yeah, yeah, I know this exactly. Know this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, they hang out at Lothlorien because um, uh-huh. they've got like that similar kind of like cloak that that they look like. Uh, um, I believe Legolas is one of those types of. I called him gray elves, and and, and John lost his shit. I, yeah. So I don't know what to call them. Uh, Sil- it's Sylvan. Sylvan. Sylvan? I, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, they're they also we we got another history about you know where they essentially for the slower ones like oh this must be how they've evaded notice of our all of our watchfulness and how they get around without getting burnt by the sun. Um, and yeah, the I, fact I that the 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 digging stuff, I, I like this tree stuff. I think I think it was. It was good. It, it, you know, plays on everybody's, uh, you know, sense of right and wrong. And, and that vibe that you get, you know, from Lord of the Rings where the orcs are sort of industrialization, right. And like, yeah, mechanization and all this stuff and, and destroying nature is just part of what they do. I, I very much felt that. Even though as a man who's dug through some tree roots in the day, I, I'm with the elves. Just go around, guys. This is a big ass tree. Not worth it. Yeah, it's not going to be worth it. Um, <laughs> and they have this like the orcs just being cruel, like the, with the pretending to be kind. And then I, I will say that, like, because of the PG-13 nature, like this is the most sterile neck slicing like you really needed yeah. some arterial spray because like my my head cannon now says that if an elf loses but a thimble full of blood they just die uh-huh. like oh my sure. god three drops i only got four left in my whole body because uh. <laughs> i guess <laughs> at first i thought like well is it's not supposed to be fatal because he's not bleeding and it was it was the orc just kind of fucking with him giving him like a paper cut and then now he's just gonna die so yeah i mean silly me i always assumed that intentional throat slicing means fatality uh is yeah. is 100 lethal all the time but then again i've seen westworld so who the fuck knows uh we hear this uh a dark fellow that is there wondering like they're making a connection to us they're like oh it's a, the you know morgoth has a successor and it's this ardor guy and oh sauron said to have many names i wonder if it's him mm-hmm. we will see because we're we're kind of like last week wondering the meteor man of sauron Sure. Um. Uh, also, there um, one of the elves uh, when they slit the guy's neck. Uh, the the watch warden called the orc that did it the Huna Haraven, which I looked it up and I think it means you a uh, cursed wild thing. Hmm. I'm pretty sure about the accursed. Um, I only found the Haraven like conjugated with things that meant like a person from the wilderness. Or okay. a wilderness area. So, like, if I'm if I deconjugate it, I think it's there's something wild or savage. So he's saying you're a yeah. you're a cursed savage. You're a cursed wild thing. Mm. We'll see what we'll see what John makes that translation. Sure, no, it's appropriate. Uh, I I like a lot of stuff happening in this scene. I, I think like the water stuff that they were doing was appropriately suspenseful. Um. Because you knew really it was going to do something. Yeah, because yeah. you know he's not just going to give him water. Why would he? But yeah. then you see, you know, it's not poisoned or anything. A couple of them drink it and it's fine. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's just toying with them, you know? Yeah. And then he cuts whatever his name is, his uh, throat 
And you're like, oh, just nope. to just to punish him for defiance. And then Aaron Deer taking taking the uh, you know, it's like he whispers to the tree like, oh, it's probably elvish for I'm so sorry, brother. <laughs> right. But he uses that like that's the whole point of doing that is to get up so he can see the tree line so they can play. And there's like a great escape type of. Yeah, he's he's the cooler king going up mm. there to, to, to <laughs> lay eyes on the, sur- the surroundings. All right, let's go to Galadriel monkeying around in Numenor, covering her ears to blend in, but eventually Elendil finds her, and they trade barbs before Elendil speaks Elvish and volunteers to take her where he's from, which obviously interests her. And boy, do they ride horses there. Boy, do they ride horses. <laughs> and the horses, it, it's it, the horse itself is also cheesing. Like the horse yes. turns to the camera and closes his eyes and smiles. Like it's it's beautiful in in a disconcerting way. I, I'm like she's taking too much pleasure in riding this horse. Why is she so into this horse? Uh, it it looks like a freaking Renaissance painting in motion. It's yeah, beautifully shot. It's the most like, beautiful horse I've ever seen. It feels like the most indulgent thing I could imagine. Also, because yes. I don't know why it's here. Especially like, since Galadriel, it, it, it must awkward. be said, is just a giant bitch. Uh, sure. Like, Elendil comes up. It's like, you know, I'm within rights. Like, I'm going to give you some sheep, ship stealing advice under the guise of, like, reminding you that, like, hey, you're not you're, you're not you're not free to go, much less to steal ships and stuff. And mm-hmm. she's essentially goes, who is this mortal that thinks he knows who I am? It's like, I don't know, the guy with the sword that's going to drag your ass back to whatever cell you're going to be going. Like, what? I, I don't know. Maybe she's just so magically powerful that she could just slay the entire city of Superman Maybe. with her bare Maybe. hands. But I never got that idea, you yeah. know? Um, and I just, it just seems like she's so foolish. And then a smash cut to her, like, idiot delight at riding this horse um but i do like you know lord of the rings has a long history of horse performances i'm i'm reminded of uh my favorite thing in fellowship of the rings where Liv tyler essentially tells her horse to run faster and they pan to the horse and the horse does like uh fuck yeah i'm gonna give it all i got our and she's like he like paws the ground even harder and like this this horse is just cheesing it so hard (laughs) it's i I laugh so hard i did too and i don't think I don't think that's what they were going for, right? They're not going nah. for a laugh there, but they got one. For but me. I, I, I think that like, like elves are so free. The physical confinement is like essentially painful to them. Like hmm. they're 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 supposed to be living their lives uh, under the stars and sun. And I, you're supposed to get the idea that she's been cooped up and skulking around in the shadows and like just running, you know, connected to the sea and nature on this beautiful white horse is like li- like literally recharging it's her been batteries. Like five minutes. I mean, I know, if, if man. They spent any time there whatsoever that might have played, but it's been literally like the first thing she does is escape and then. Go to the docks. That's it. Yeah. They talked about Melkor uh, twisting the elves and the orcs. It turns out he just locked them in a room for a day and they just did it to themselves. <laughs> right. They yeah. came out like, oh, what is this sign? It burns us. Put them just, just time little, out. A little dramatic, a these elves. Yeah. <laughs> they, twist, they, twist, they twist themselves a little. We got a lot of rings of power to ponder. We'll be right back after this short break. And now, let's dig a little deeper on Doug Too Deep. I, I was thinking during this time, this scene here, that he was not just giving her advice on not stealing ships because she's a prisoner or, you know, a guest. 
mm-hmm. but I thought he was tasked with taking her on a boat to Middle Earth. So like this whole exercise with her was fruitless. It was just like, no, he's yeah, you don't want to steal a boat because I got a boat. Let's go. And nah. that turned out to not be true. But yeah, that's the impression yeah. I was getting through this whole episode. Yeah, he's uh, he's just he's just that his mission wasn't to kill Galadriel, but to essentially, you know, guard be her be her bodyguard, close guard. Yeah, and I think take her to the place where they're a little more friendly to elves. Uh, I don't think he was supposed to do that. I I don't. I really don't think that that. No, I don't think the queen wants her to explore their laws and get (laughs) clues on what she's supposed. No, yeah, I got that. That was Ellen Deal. That was Ellen Deal. I I thought that the queen having a conversation with what I assume is, you know, the former king who was sympathetic to the elves, liked mm-hmm. the elves. I, I thought that was trying to tell me that they have. Some... Well, let's we'll have to get there because I I that's okay. a perplexing scene to me. So maybe we can help each other out with that. But okay. uh but he said he's uh, yeah. I've been charged as your guard, not I'm your escort all around our kingdom to look at all of our shit. You know. Okay, fair. Uh, I I didn't think he was like totally shooting straight with her when he says I'm I'm your guard. I thought there was more to it than that, but we'll get there. Mm. Okay. Anyways, uh, Halbrun tries to start his life over as a blacksmith. He unfortunately can't until he earns his guild crest. Uh, so instead, he goes to eat and he's confronted by some locals at a pub. And instead of starting shit, he buys them drinks, wins their favor, but it turns out he also steals their guild crest. And they catch up with him and they try and give him a beating, but he beats them instead. And then he's taken by the guards. Yeah, he does the whole, please, please don't, don't make me do this. You know, don't make me go out. Go, don't make me go all out. And then they push him into it and he just busts out this Southron Krav Maga, snapping <laughs> people's joints and breaking Ugh. wrists and just brutalizing and getting himself thrown into jail by some Numenorean soldiers. And this is how you know we're not watching Game of Thrones because when he snaps that arm, uh-huh. there would have bones been didn't blood shoot out. and bones and yeah, t- yeah, tendons just hanging and dangling. Yeah, it would have been bad. But here, it's just a little bulge under the skin. And here, like this guy, you know, again, like maybe I just expect too much from my protagonist. But he's like, "Hey, uh, Gladrell, this place looks like I where I could start over." And I'm going to make one attempt on one shop to ask if I can get a job here. And they're like, oh, you need to go through and get a guild crest. And he instantly decides he's going to be the biggest dick on the island. Yeah, and the only cut. reason he stopped is because he saw that guild crest like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to steal this shit. Like, damn, dude, you got three days. Like, maybe go to another blacksmith shop. Maybe not everyone is as hard nosed about there. Maybe somebody will pay you under the table or how hard is it to get a guild crest? Right. You know, can Join you sign up an for an apprentice? Because yeah. it, like it'd be one thing if he tried this and like he just like there's this. Well, they just hate Southrons. Like, you know, you're 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 not a Numenorean boy, but I don't feel like they did a good job of this is just more like trade protectionist crap. Like, well, you got to get mm-hmm. a taxi cab medallion to, to drive a taxi cab, obviously. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have also found it interesting that Halbrand seems to be the name he uses with people he doesn't trust or like. And also Galadriel, which is interesting. I mean, we'll is find it? out more about that later. But I thought that was his real name. The name he was given out was his fake name, but... I don't know. I mean, he... He name, he gives that name to these people who are beating him up. So, 
and he says, you know, well, it but on- after he, he after he beats him up, he says it's how like, you know, but I don't know, because like, oh, to, like, when he was saying right when he's there. saying my name is is uh, is depends on whether I like you or not. He is falsely sucking up to them so he can steal their shit. Uh-huh. Sure. So, so he's given in there his be, trusted name. Yeah. I, I thought I thought it was the inverse, but you, you might be right, honestly. I don't know, because Galadriel by the end of the episode finds out things about him. Yeah. Uh that I assume he wouldn't want her to know when he tells her his name. So Yeah. We'll see. Uh Galadriel exposes Ellen Deal's hall exposes, explores Ellen Deal's Hall of Lore, which is not a euphemism. Uh she's impressed. And then some writings from a human spy in a tower dungeon are brought out and they contain the Mark of Sauron. Uh, Galadriel realizes then that the Mark isn't a sigil. It's actually a map of the Southlands. And the writing describes a plan to create an evil realm. If Morgoth is defeated, Sauron may have already returned. So this is something that people started to piece together last week. And if you've ever seen a map of Middle Earth, especially a map of uh, of Mordor, where you don't simply walk into that, you, you see that it's kind of surrounded by this ring, U-shaped ring of mountain chains and Mount Doom is right smack in the middle of it. Nice. Uh, and so like, yeah, like it's this is essentially a representation of what will become to be called Mordor. Mm hmm. Um, and a lot of people pointed out last week that like the Southlands is essentially squat smack in the middle of where Mordor is going to be in the future. So and we are they, getting on the ground floor of a Sauron opportunity here. <laughs> right. I want to invest. Yeah. Uh, I'll sell at the right time. <laughs> trust me. I know. I know when it's coming. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. I was pretty impressed with how they convey that information. And even I, as someone who's not super familiar with the lore, uh, was able to pick that up. You know, as soon as they said a realm that, was designed for evil. I'm like, yeah, okay, well this is Mordor obviously. Yeah. And then showing yeah. us the visual of it lining up to the map. I'm like, yes, all oh, the map work they do is continued. Like I thought that was tasty that you had a map. That's a paper map. That's a table map. That's then like show like a CGI. <laughs> like uh-huh. they, they did. They, they really do a good job of grounding you to the places where you're at. Yeah. So I do have some other questions about, uh, the lore here. So Ellen deals talking about, um, how the King, how you know this place came to be uh elros made it who's elrond's brother and then you had a king whose name i don't know yet um but that king was driven from the throne because he was sympathetic to elves but yet he somehow also preserved this place which is a haven of elven learning and knowledge yeah. how do you get a a land that is so fervent about their elven hatred that they oust their king, but do not burn this place to the ground. I wondered that myself, especially since the Queen Regent Muriel said that we have hated elves since the time of my grandfather's grandfather. So, Jeez. like, is this okay. a father who, like, is this the her her father, the king? Is he, like, got religion recently of, like, hey, you know, I've actually gone to these halls of law. And it turns out we're elf friends and we shouldn't be doing all this shit. And he got in prison for telling the truth, essentially. Or, or what is the deal? Um, I just don't know also, how a guy like that preserves this place when he's yeah. lost all his power. Yeah. And there's a lot of background information about like Elros and Elrond, but like I feel like I want to let the show, you know, give that, uh, that, that story room to breathe. Um, I'm sure the Lorehounds will okay. probably talk about it if you want to deep dive into it. But like the idea that 
you're supposed to ask questions of like, well, Elrond is an elf and his brother Elros founded a nation of men. What's up with that? You know, mm-hmm. um, and you might you might remember the Elrond is called Elrond the half elven, which might give you another clue about what's going on here. But uh, oh, I didn't know that. But I, I just assumed like, look, these guys fought this war and these humans helped them. They wanted to reward them. Just like just like what Galadriel yeah. says, you know, but then like what what would what would cause that to go bad? You know, that's the big question. Yeah. Right. And right. I am actually interested in that. So. Uh, then we get to what I consider the better part of the episode. The Harfoots. They're singing. Agreed. They're They're dancing while Nori's parents worry that they'll be left behind if. Largo, her father, uh, if his foot doesn't heal, he thinks that Nori's going to be an asset in keeping them with the group. Turns out he's not wrong, though it's pretty <laughs> indirect. Yeah. This is what I will say that this is what House of the Dragon is missing to its detriment, which is things that are just funny and and fun to watch. Fun. Like yeah, a little more lighthearted. The, the, the yeah. map heist that they're pulling on Sadok, I thought was really funny with like mm-hmm. Poppy doing like uh, you're trying to give left, right and center directions and you know, Nori like you're just disembodied hand under the table trying to grope for it behind his back. Um, I love the pre-migration festival. Look like mm-hmm. they're like they're like react like, you know, they're enacting like their voyage and they looked like there was like wolf creatures that were like, you know, surprise a really interesting pantomime. I wanted more. I was honestly disappointed that it was 30 seconds of, you know, we don't walk off the pap or nobody, nobody goes, goes off, off the trail. trail. Nobody walks alone. Like yeah. I like, come on, man. Can't you come up with a couple of verses? <laughs> sure. I, I'm certain Tolkien would have. Right. Right. Yeah. Up with 15 like, verses. And, and I feel like uh, and you could really fleshed out because the other interesting thing about this episode is there's a dark side to the Harfoots. There's like yeah. a real fucking hard underbelly to their twee carefree existence. Just which kind of strange shock to me. Yeah, I was not prepared for that, given what we saw in the first episode and, and the attitude. And maybe this is, you know, tragic. The, the attitude that Nori's mother had. Like, if you just do things by the rules, everyone is here to support each other and we will. Yes, we will get each other through any trials. That seems to be the exact opposite. When you get in the caravan, you get in the caravan, you fall behind. You are done. Yeah, that's on you. No one else wanted to help lift you out of that. Like, why would be at the front of the caravan be good? Is that because you get to set the pace? Totally. And we're all the yeah. Harfoots be like, well, we'll we'll just go along with this broken ankle pace, I guess. Uh-huh. Like, I felt like I needed to know more about their laws and, and covenants. And that's a place of safety, too, right? Like you you get to the back of the pack and suddenly you can be picked off by wolves or yeah. something else. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, there's safety in being in the front. I think we found out about Nori's father that he had been married once before because he talks about when I left Rose or when we lost oh, Rose, I like I, I felt like uh, I was a wagon with a busted axle. And then I saw you and you're so beautiful. And I know we grow together. That was, I thought, sweet and touching. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, his faith that he has in the community and is particularly Nori. Uh, I love the line where Nori's trying to explain to Poppy why she needs to take care of this man. And she's like, well, Poppy, there's head sense and there's heart sense. And you need to learn the difference and poppy flashes out yeah well there's also common sense and nonsense and if you're out of the former i'll give you some like i just like yeah. it's really clever and they're just funny like hobbits i think are inherently funny and uh 
I, I yeah, this I I I got a lot of I got a, I got a real hoot out of the Harfoot adventures here, and I think structurally this all works better, right? This nobody goes off trail, nobody walks alone is all foreshadowing, and and all this stuff with the meteor man and friend and and the the fire stuff has all been leading to a place. Whereas I I feel like I'm being I, I'm being led along a path here that I'm not being led along with the Galadriel yeah. stuff, and. I'm, I'm I I feel like I'm getting left behind in the Galadriel stuff. Yeah. And also like it it makes sense that like we thought that this nobody goes off trail, nobody uh nobody walks alone was kind of like a comforting promise, but it also serves as like a warning. Like yeah. everyone stays on the trail, right? Which is the way of life that we understand it. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then no one will walk alone. But if you do walk off our path, either metaphorically or physically, then you will walk alone and you're going to die. we know that Nori has already done that. Nori is in the process of walking off that path. So, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a portent. Um, And like it's this weird thing of like, it's not that the Harvards don't love the people to get left behind. It's just there are hard asses about it. Like, you got to stay on the path and you got to keep up the caravan. If you don't like. You know, sorry, because like they are just it's 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 like a mouse system of laws, you know, a, a small thing that's scared of everything. And if we if we stop and turn back, we might get snatched up by a mouse or mm-hmm. a hawk or a snake and everything's dangerous. And the only way we survive is by being hidden and safe and nimble. And uh, it's a hard life, but it feels like, uh, you know, by the time you hear it, it's a necessity and something that brings them a lot of sorrow. You know, and they're recounting all the people yeah. that got left behind in the other caravans. It's not like, well, although there is a total Enjoy thing where too. Yeah, I, I I like that the bittersweet note of it all, right? Like, but like when when Sadok says, uh, you know, uh, Dumblefuck Mick Mick shit his pants bees. <laughs> <laughs> we love them, uh-huh. but what a fucking idiot! I mean, I'm yeah. putting a little spin on it, but that's pretty much what the guy had a funny name, had two funny names. He got uh-huh. killed by bees, and then the whole community is like, "Yeah, what a dumbass!" Like that was a. I, I love it. You know, they're remembering yeah. him fondly, but tragically, and I. They they remember the joy they brought that he brought to their lives, and also the way he died tragically. But yeah. And they're you oh, know hobbits nice. got a little they're little rascals that way like I rem- remember like Bilbo's bir- Bilbo's birthday speech where he's like you know uh, I like half as well of you half as well as you deserve and I know and it's like kind of like yeah we love you but also fuck some of you too you know yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're yeah. all in our it, family it feels and- like they're a big family is what it is yes I, yeah I love yes. that that vibe yeah and it's always enjoyable uh, let's talk. We've kind of already talked about this, but let's recap it for the sake of the recap. Nori tries to steal Sadik's book to find the stars the meteor man showed them. Poppy doesn't understand why she's so hell-bent on helping him. Nori blackmails her into helping, and then she flips through the book, finds the stars, but Sadik returns. Um, And then there's a comedy of her trying to steal the chart, and she eventually does. Uh, And then Sadik gives his speech honoring all the Harfoots they've lost during past migrations. And while everyone's distracted, Meter Man ogles the star chart. He accidentally sets it on fire and ends up rampaging through the camp, wearing a tent and terrifying everyone. And then he calls Nori's name, which gets her in a bit of trouble. <laughs> That's the uh, funny part is where like <laughs> Nori's trying to be as small as possible. And he just stands up this giant guy and just asks for her by name. And uh, all eyes turn to her. Uh, if not for Sadik's forgiving nature, she would be decaravaned. 
but instead her family is demoted to the back of the caravan, which is dangerous. And Nori claims to her mother that it's her destiny. So, or her destiny is tied up with this guy somehow, but her mother says, don't stand out. I love that phrase where he explains why he's given her a pass. Like he's a, she, she's young. She's got as much hair to grow on her toes as sins between her ears. Like what a great, <laughs> what a great hobbity way of saying right? you're kind of wet behind the ears. Yeah. Yeah. They're very good at giving this colorful language to these different races. I remember yeah. they did that with the dwarves last time and it was fun. But it's an act of mercy, but not by much because they're going to be doomed to walk mm-hmm. at the back of the caravan where there will be quick to be left behind, as we'll find out. Especially with that injured foot. I think Sadik knows that this is not going to be an easy path for them. Uh, I, I find it interesting that it's his own power, Meteor Man, that ends up burning this chart. And I don't know if it's totally destroyed or if it's just singed. Is it? I thought he it. just was trying to get it closer to the fire to le- read it. And but it- then as he reads it more, he, the fires start to swell. You can see it in the background oh. of the, the speech. Oh. Like all the fires just get brighter and bigger. And I think he wasn't expecting that. And so he got closer and the fire got bigger and it burnt it. I see. I see. I didn't I didn't get that uh, detail. Um, I think it's I think I thought it was interesting that um, it, it preserves the mystery. Like we see that there is something he's looking for in the star charts, but he manages to burn all of the explanation. Mm hmm. And apparently Sadak doesn't have all this stuff memorized, so yeah, yeah, it's a it's still a mystery. That that'll probably bring more adventure later, I assume. Would you'd think? All right, let's go back to Ellen Deal's children, who have many questions about for him about Galadriel. Uh, Isildur says he's thinking of deferring on a sea trial, and they get into an argument about that, and. Seemingly some personal family business. I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but we'll probably find out more. I want to have a gap year, Dad, and tour Middle Earth, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never be this young again. I agree. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, anyway, Ellendale says he will take the trial. And then a message arrives for Yarian saying she's been accepted to the Builders Guild. I have no idea what to make. I don't know why that's good and exciting. It's it's I think it's right. to show that like Isildur is some kind of dutiful, you know, that he's not like anti-establishment or whatever. It's just that he's got something that's tied up into the Western shores. And I'm not either. This is new stuff or I'm just not in, as, uh, as, as enough of a lore smith to know what's going on. But it feels like some family history. You know what it feels like? It feels like national treasure. Like John Boyce, uh, just like God damn it, Nick Cage. We have been yeah, through this. Your grandpa yeah. was an idiot. Yeah, I I tried to find that freaking treasure for my entire life, and I wasted it. And now yeah. you're doing the same. Could you please yeah. stop? Yeah, you you you're right. It does feel like a lot like the Franklins. Yeah, totally. Uh, also, this whole scene feels like meeting someone's kids on a first date. Like, why? I don't even care about Ellen Deal yet. Why do I give a shit about Isildur or Iarian going well, to the, school? Like, I who cares? Yeah, yeah we don't know what the stakes are. They name check Anarion, which is, I thought Isildur's younger brother. I've always thought of him that way. But the way the show is talking about him, it feels like he's the young, older brother. Like, okay. he's already off in college yeah. or off on the Sea Force. It also didn't make sense that, like, Ellen Deal has gotten promoted to post captain, which is a rank in the British Navy that distinguishes a master and commander, which is like a a, a, a person that's leading a smaller ship. 
as opposed and and you call them captain because that's like what they're doing like you know they're captain but like once they step on the land they're just a lieutenant or a commander or whatever you um whereas a post captain are you are actually being posted to a position as the rank of captain and you retain that rank and privilege when whether you're on a boat or not you know gotcha um but i'm like what the fuck does uh it, it doesn't didn't seem like any of that stuff applied. So I, I was and like, why is he getting a promotion when he is the elf friend lover? That's be, I, I, I thought all these, this, this politics is potentially interesting. It just, I had no idea what to make of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll find out more. I'm sure. Um, and then there's something about, you know, the builders guild, which I assume we'll find out more about. Yeah, and the other thing is like there's a hurt that Elendil has that he thinks to see as healed, but Isildur is skeptical because he's like, mm-hmm. you know, and why? What is Isil? He's too young to be wounded. Like what? Yeah, what is like? They also talk about this family. That's something else we learned in the uh, behind the scenes discussion with Alf Arizon and Queen Muriel. Muriel is that they this family used to be royal, and they've been busted down to sea captain. Mm. So what what is yeah like is is this hurt and this uh uh bad feeling stem from that it's because he was ranting and raving and squirting lemon juice on the constitution <laughs> yeah that's why you get you busted down yeah you you can't you can't steal <laughs> you can't steal the, the numenorean declaration, declaration from the halls of law man right <laughs> it's protected right. by infrared sensors and bulletproof class and come on uh, let's go back to Galadriel visiting Halbrand in his cell with a scroll she found that indicates he is the king of the Southlands. He claims he's not a hero, but Galadriel invites him to come back to Middle-earth for redemption for both of them. And he says, you don't have an army. That's about to change. What do you think she's referring to here? I mean, does she think she's gonna go back and get an army from the elves that can't be right does she think the ellen deal is just going to like support her does she Maybe. think i i wondered if she knew somehow that the elves have been but like there's no way she would could know that there is a secret slave encampment of, of battle ready elves no that you can sneak into and and yeah i, I don't know i i guess she thinks uh, like oh i found some numenorians that'll be sympathetic but like i don't know if you could describe them as an army i'm also hmm. i am deeply skeptical of what this seems like halbrand is a great value aragorn he's just instead yep. of coming from a long line of cool super dudes you come from a long line of dipshits Mm-hmm. that was able to <laughs> unite your banners from Morgoth. I want you to do that except for me this time. Like yeah. it's, ex- it's this cop control C control V Aragorn, but like we've done Aragorn and this is a worse version of it. I'm, ah, oh, man, I don't, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the Halbrand of it. Like we have yet to meet a human that I f- care about or find compelling. I don't know. I mean, I, I've, find it interesting that he was the king of the Southlands. I think that could be... I, I don't know if there's like an official king of the Southlands. If he's like the dude who everybody acknowledged as the king. Or if this is more like he was a leader of some type. And... Mm-hmm. I, I get the impression that it was more official. That like he's hiding who he is because people would recognize his name. 
Huh. Yeah. So, I wonder if they're setting know. this up to like, these are going to be the, like, is this, he's going to be a tragic figure? Um, because if you remember that, 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 that land of the dead, the Aragorn comes and like, you know, it's prophesied only the king could command these dead warriors because they broke their oath uh-huh. to an old Gondorian king and he's coming back the sword and like, you will suffer me, you fucking ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if they're they're setting that up, you know, like the, the, the ha- that uh, this Maybe. guy's going to have this kind of tragic, like you're going to find out that he is the king of those dead guys or something. Um, I think that would be interesting and see it like if it's truly they because if it's, this is just like opposite Aragorn, but he's going to have the exact same end as Aragorn. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I had some problems with some of the language that Galadriel uses, and maybe this is me just not understanding the Valar or the creation song or whatever it is, yeah. but when she says that the words fate or destiny are somehow lesser words than some elven word that she never gives, uh, right? W- what is greater than fate or destiny? Because those are just words that are describing universal meaning. I think because like that was one of the other like when I found out he is a king, I'm like, well, this what the fuck are the odds that essentially the sure. queen of the elves is going to meet the king of this disgraced kingdom? On the open but I think scene, what she's yeah. saying is like, like the creator himself has maneuvered them together. So that's like stronger than fate Isn't or destiny. That what it's fate like, is well, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess in my mind, that's what it is. Like when people speak of a destiny, they're speaking of some higher power guiding them to an outcome yeah you're right i guess i don't know it's all you know fantasy like the elves have some special connection to (laughs) whatever the men don't right yeah i never forget that this is written by a catholic so there's also the aspect of like yeah fate and fate and uh destiny are kind of like tarot cards and that kind of shit but but god's will is god's will is the real shit you know and i think that's what you're supposed to understand (laughs) okay that makes sense uh, let's get to this kind of weird scene. Queen Regent tells her father in a tower that the moment they feared is here, the elf has arrived. I assume this is the former king, the one who was driven from power by the elf haters. But why is she talking to him as if he wouldn't be super excited that the elf is here and like, haha, I'm right. Let me out of here so I can go greet her. It's like she because the her affect is, is her affect is just completely different of uh, how I thought it would be. OK, I could see that. Um, or well, maybe King's secretly evil. And this is all plan than than Elendir has already let on, right? Like, I don't think she just tasked Elendir to keep uh, Galadriel in check while she's here for three days, and they could send her back home. Yeah, I think she specifically sent Elendil to show her the halls of lore because there's information in there that she knows she needs because of some prophecy that they now fear. Because, and I was thinking maybe they fear it because the path ahead is hard not necessarily mm. because the outcome of the situation is bad. Okay. I'll go with a mildly interesting on that because I want to talk about what little I do know about the prologue and, uh, and the uh, appendixes of Lord of the Rings. But like, I, yeah, that's not super appropriate, but okay. I, I, and I that this is as far as I can tell, kind of invented, but I'm sure it's for show, huh. but it's, it's like, I think Muriel, it does not literally exist. Um, but I think I know where they're going, but I just, I can't quite see what they're trying to get at from here. Okay. Uh, let's go over to the Harfoots again. Uh, the caravan departs with Nori's family immediately falling behind as predicted. It, although it turns out they've been unknowingly dragging around Meteor Man, which makes sense that they would fall behind. He gets out of the cart, calls them friend, and they decide to help each other. 
See, I got that they had just decided that they were going to let Nori win. They're going to let, you know, that she talked them into being allowed to help this guy. Oh, um, God, with her father. Because how the foot? hell do you how? not? I know this guy's skinny, but he's still like got away five times what a hobbit does. Yeah, and you would think a whole separate family around, man. Yeah, I get your belly. Your, your caravan is full and your bellies are fuller, but this is ridiculous, you know? Um, yeah. I, I love the look of these caravans. Like when you see it from the side, it just looks like yes. ma- mounds of dirt or hay yeah, or like moving like moving or whatever. Yeah, moving hobbit houses is what they are because like uh-huh. hobbit houses are these kind of like green grassy domes, and that's what it looks like. It's in motion. Beautiful chef's kiss on all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, fortunately, the giant is the answer. He's just going to push and give essentially super strength to this family. And which I like that's, that, you know, yeah, her going we'll, off the path has resulted in something that might actually help them, you know, expanding their horizons might be a good thing. This is how we win. He'll help us and we'll help him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Unless great. he's Sauron and it's going to fuck you for all of eternity. <laughs> True. You're going to turn into yeah. ugly golem looking fuckers and it's going to be no return. So, so it, <laughs> they can finally perfect the Harfoots. Yeah. Turn them into the hobbits. <laughs> Twist them into uh-huh. the hobbits perfected. All right. The final scene here, the elves attempt to escape the orc work camp. So the orcs release a warg to kill them. And it does a pretty good job of it, actually. But Aaron Deer is able to subdue it long enough for his commander to get a look at where they are. I guess he gets a look, too. Unfortunately, the commander's killed. But Aaron Deer is spared and taken to Adar, who we don't get to see clearly. Yes. Adar does seem like a hell of a guy. And mm-hmm. I do wonder, because, like, you know, and this is something that um, is well established in the lore that Sauron is very much a satanic figure, that he can appeal, or as, like, the Bible says, uh, Satan can appear as an angel of light. The Sauron can be very fair and beautiful and wise and friendly when he wants to be. And I see this beautiful looking elf man is what it looks like. And they're calling him father, the elvish word for father. And I wonder if this isn't our first peak of, you know, the reconstituted Sauron. That's the thing. I take a look at his very Sauron-y looking fingers and I'm thinking, okay, he's doing Mm. he's doing a mummy is what he's doing. He's trying to ah. reassemble all of the pieces of Sauron's armor. Got you. Uh, by going around and finding them and becoming a successor to Sauron or, you know, Sauron returned. Uh, what do you think of this action scene? Uh, we don't get to see Adar clearly, but boy, we see that work clearly. I, I actually liked horrifying. it. I, I thought it was great. I thought the fancy chain work was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Deer doing the jump, you know, Superman jump with the axe, the cave in their sun shields and all that stuff. I do mm-hmm. think that I, I don't, I think they need to pick a lane. They need to either go something that's kid accessible and that warg tearing at the guy's guts yeah. is not kid accessible or they need to lean into just like, well, this is dark, depressing, and we're going to have gouts of blood and the viscera because it's just so weird to see this wolf rip apart an elf. And mm-hmm. then they're just kind of like their tummy's bloody, you know, yeah. like it's weird to see uh, an elf get his throat slit and just like a thimble full of blood leaks out. Um, mm-hmm. It's horrifying violence, but it doesn't have blood. So the sensors are like, I, I just, I feel like it's, 
it fucks up the art, man, because there's a way to tell this and like uh, there's a way to do danger and things, even with very scary monsters and have it be like PG. And there's a way to do it to where it's like, you know, even PG 13. But like the way I, I, I'm not big fans of this bloodless gore. Yeah, I get that. Um, but as far as the action goes, I thought it was all good. I, I thought okay. the, and especially the look of the warg, man, that looked disgusting. that warg was yeah amazing like a, a great the worst kind of dog and the way its lips are like permanently bearing its teeth yeah Reminds it's a great, great looking war from lion king except yeah 10 times worse yeah yeah the wargs in the old movies were kind of now that i think about a hyena but they were these uh-huh. are again just far more wicked and diseased and twisted looking yeah. excellent warg excellent warging mm-hmm. but i assume we're going to get a better shot of him uh, this Adar guy next episode. You hope. You hope. We'll be at the halfway mm-hmm. point at the end of the next episode. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah, you're right. Four will be four episodes in. Uh, we'd like to know what you thought. You know, like I said, we had some uh, tough love to get to the show this week, and it's not, again, none of this is saying we hate the show and we're off it. It's just that uh, there's some things I weren't as skillful as maybe the first two episodes. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you not have the problems we have? Uh, let us know. Dunk too deep at baldmove.com. Of course, Monday, you want to check out the Lorehounds podcast, uh, the, their, their lore cast. So they're going to do a deep dive into the subject matter, probably answer a lot of questions that we had. Uh, and then later on in the week, probably Wednesday, we'll be having our feedback episodes. So you want to contribute that to Doug too deep at baldmove.com. Please search for the Lorehounds on your favorite podcast app to keep up with their Lorecast because they're coming out exclusively on their feed uh, as our partnership continues. And they'll join us on the feedback show for the Lore Corner. Uh, so that's our plan to go uh, go forward. I'm really looking forward to... Oh, one thing we wanted to talk about I completely forgot is the midnight release of this. Oh, yeah. Which we were speculating with our fans on lunch the, today that like it's uh, related to the end the, the Thursday night football that's being redistributed on Amazon. Um, I don't know how much those fan bases cross over. I mean, I'm a football <laughs> fan. It's also a Lord of the Rings fan. But I know if I had to choose unless my team were playing, it would mm-hmm. be Lord of the, the Rings of Power all the time. Um, but like it's brutal because we already were having the prospect of, you know, uh, watching this, you know, try to get trying to watch it to enjoy it and take notes on it within 12 hour turnaround time, essentially. Yeah. And now we have like five hours of that taken from us. So I'm gonna have to stay up really late to watch it the first time and probably get up early to get my notes together or get up super early to watch right. it twice in a row and get so like I, I God, I wish they weren't doing that. But I think from here on out, it's going to be a, a midnight Eastern release time. Uh, on Friday, early Friday morning. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what you guys think of that too. Dug too deep at baldmove.com. We will see you next week with the lore cast and our feedback cast. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.